Welcome to the Game Plan Podcast with Judah Newby and Brian Perkins, breaking down all things Seahawks. Well, the Seahawks had everything in front of them and they failed to capitalize with a 26-23 overtime loss in Santa Clara to the San Francisco 49ers who improved to 4-10 and 10 overall, while the Seahawks fall to 8-5. and five. No, 8-6 and six with two weeks left to go in the season. <laughs> and they got the Chiefs and Cardinals at home to finish up. Well, Perkins, you know, this was one of those games that we, we knew a few weeks ago Seattle's only road test remaining was just going to San Francisco and taking care of business against the hapless 49ers team. And they couldn't do that. You could start it at any number of points. I think for me, the penalties is what is most killer. If you don't have two of those penalties, you probably win this football game. Um, and they set a franchise record for most penalty yards, yardage in a single game, 148 penalty yards. But this was tough, man. This is a humbling moment for a team that was playing so well. Yeah, you know, I was super confident, uh, borderline arrogance in the podcast on Friday. That worked out well for me. I think that's fair. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it was a very pitiful performance on every pitiful, level. wow, pitiful, yeah, capital P. You lost to a three at the time three win team, a team that you had beaten by twenty seven points fourteen days ago. Yeah, isn't Who's that weird? Terrible. Like, I mean, it's a terrible team. A third string quarterback mm-hmm. who, yep. albeit, has played better than a typical well, third string quarterback. A lot has. of a lot more reps than a typical third string quarterback, without a doubt. Definitely, but. I mean, he missed a lot of throws early in that game to Kittle, right? He had two mm-hmm. overthrows early in that game that where Kittle had a guy beat. I mean, this is – I'm trying to think about losses in the Pete Carroll era in terms mm. of expectation versus actually losing. Now, we know Seattle plays down to opponents frequently. Yeah, it's funny because I'm thinking about when the Bucks were winless and they came into Seattle with Mike Glennon, and that one went to overtime. Yeah, but Seattle won. But Seattle won that game. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, last year's loss to the Cardinals was pretty bad. But that the is bad. The that Cardinals bad. weren't a terrible team, though. They yeah, ended but up Drew wet. Stanton had a torn ACL. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Seattle was playing for a playoff spot. Yeah, that was bad. That's bad. I, I mean, this probably is up there, though, in terms of worst losses. The Redskins' home loss I thought was pretty bad. A couple, yeah, a couple years ago. That was last year, wasn't it? I think it was last year. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I mean, it just—it feels like this is one of those games, though. Just when you think about. I mean, it's funny because the loss doesn't change much for Seattle in the yeah. long run. In theory, it doesn't change much. If Seattle loses out all three games, they still have a 55% chance of making the playoffs, which is low. But let's, I mean, let's ride with that. <laughs> but I mean, I'm just Knowing saying, the Seahawks luck. <laughs> they went from 99% probability to like 96% probability with this loss. But I do think that it is one of the worst losses in the P. Carroll era that I could think of because – when you think about the expectations, you're talking about a team that is with a third-string quarterback. Mm-hmm. You're playing against Richard Sherman at a terrible stadium with uh, you know the crowd not being uh, probably what it is because it's a three-win freaking team, and who wants to pay money to go see that and, and drive to terrible that weather, inconvenient stadium. Right. The, I mean, that this, stadium's an inconvenient truth. The, the most penalty yards in franchise history, as you mentioned, sloppy. I the, the defense was a sieve. Against the third string quarterback, this is one of the worst losses in the Pete Carroll era. I think sure. I think you're right. I think you're right. That being said, there are still a lot of areas where the team did really well, including running the football. As always, I mean, 
they totaled 385 yards. I'll put it this way. I've seen a lot a lot of Pete Carroll era performances where you haven't even gotten close to 385 total yards of yeah. offense. So, yeah. you know, and, you know, Russell still was his efficient self, 23 completions, eight incompletions, you know, 237 yards and two touchdowns. And Chris Carson went 22 for a buck, 19 and a score, two touchdown catches for Doug Baldwin. There were some wow moments in this game, and you didn't even turn the football over in those conditions. The ball slipped out of Russell's hand once. It slipped out of T-Lock's hands once. But so for me, you know, you can't say, oh, every single unit played terribly start to finish. Yeah. I, I feel like there have been a lot of wins Seattle has had where they've played qualitatively worse. Yeah, for sure. Than they played in this game. But that that's why I keep coming back down to the penalties. Every single game-changing, game-altering play that they had the opportunity to make, there was some type of penalty involved about 80% of the time. It's yeah. terrible. Yeah, well, and the style that Seattle plays, which relies a lot on third-down conversions, right, and being able to run the ball, you can't have penalties right. offensively and play the style of football that they want to play. You know, I had that same thought. It's like when you are characterizing a team as being, well, they're, they're very— th- they love to run the ball, and they love to play defense. What is so often the third characteristic when you talk about that team? They're so disciplined. They're so yeah. fundamentally sound, and right? Like those Ravens teams of the past. Like, they love to run the ball. They love to play defense. They're so fundamentally sound. They don't beat themselves. Well, Seattle's got the run and the defense down, I think, when the defense is playing well. Maybe not as much in this game in the back end, but it's that third part, the discipline part, that historically Pete Carroll teams haven't had, but even this season they've done a lot better in that department. The last few weeks they've done a lot better in that department. They're still the second most penalized team in football, though. Well, after today. Well, they yeah, they well, had four, yeah. well, I mean, and 14 penalties for buck yeah. 48 will do that. <laughs> it's going to skew the stats so I'm a not, bit. So I'm not surprised by that at all. That People get that in four weeks. Sunday night is, is but the, the leading up the most to, penalized team. Is that right? And Seattle's number two. But see, they can afford that. You know, because they, they have talent. They have the talent. They have the talent and the explosiveness, right? Yeah. Seattle doesn't. Yeah. And you know, so yeah, when you talk about complementary football, you can't be undisciplined. Leading up to this game, they had four penalties each of their previous two games, so they had been disciplined leading up to this point, and then it reared its ugly head today. And you know, there were some questionable, some questionable calls in the game, but I think by and large, they have themselves to blame for the penalties. It yeah. was nothing was being taken away from them. I think. Uh, no, not at all. I mean, people will point to the Griffin one, but. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it's funny because Terry McCauley of Sunday Night Football um, responded to Ben Baldwin of The Athletic, who covers the Seahawks for The Athletic, and he said that he thought it was pass interference because yeah. he held him as he was coming out of his break. Right. You know, he said, yeah, it was it was subtle, but he he held him. The one he didn't think was pass interference was actually the one on Hill uh, that was called with the Kittle drop yeah. in the fourth quarter. You know, I, I think that offensively, like Russell Wilson played a good game. I can only think of one miss he had, and it was a third down – to Doug Baldwin, where Doug was wide open out of a break and, and Russ just missed him. Mm-hmm. But like outside of that, I thought Wilson played a pretty good game. I was in the fourth quarter, I think. It it was, mm-hmm. which it, obviously things get right. It highlighted a little bit more in those situations. Well, because those are the ones you need to get. Yes, but I mean, but overall, again, w- when you're talking about porous play, I don't think Russell Wilson even comes close to cracking the top 10 in, of issues in this game. The one thing, though, that is still baffling to me about this team, Judah, is where the hell has late game or end of the half, two-minute drill, Seattle Seahawks football gone? It was a freaking disaster again this week. At the end of the first half, there's a minute 15 seconds left, or a minute six seconds left, I think. Two timeouts. 
end up taking a sack, giving up on the uh, on the drive, which is understandable in that scenario. You get the ball to start the second half. And then, of course, it, going at the end of the fourth quarter. I mean, Russell Wilson gets the football. We are conditioned to believe they are going to go down and win that game because that is what he has done throughout his career. But this season, we just haven't seen that consistently. Well, I, I mean, at yeah. all. I, I think penalties, man. There were penalties on yeah. both of those drives yeah. that killed him. And even God, the dime in the first drive of overtime back. on a third down. Like yeah. these are third down money downs, and there's holds all over the place. So, I mean, the Mike Davis third and five run exactly broke like four Which, tackles. To be fair, you know maybe that was helped by the hold, but it was still yeah. You can't. I mean, you're having big time moments in the game, and you don't know the shape of the game if that's a clean play and he gets the first down. You don't know what the shape of the game looks like from that point forward. But there was just so many of those missed opportunities or negated. Uh, negated plays that just that just leave you so frustrated from this game. But but those two the two minute offense beyond just this game has been an issue. And the the I think mm-hmm. when you're talking about Seattle, you're not as talented as you used to be. Stealing points at the end of halves is more important than it was in seasons past. And yeah. they used to be better at it than they are now. So I guess that's well, and I that mean, goes back to our discussion of the way that they play football. You have to you know do the little things. The little things, it's discipline, it's two-minute offense. It's, you know, making extra points, making making coffin corner punts, which they did, but they did also punt, you know, in in 49er territory. You're right, making extra points. Sebastian Janikowski, between the missed extra point and two minutes later, giving up the uh, kick return touchdown, which everyone's culpable, I think, on the kick return touchdown. I, I, I don't think that's a great kick, and it certainly wasn't great coverage by Seattle and you know, they got hit in the mouth. When you give up a special team score, chances are it's going to be a close game. You might lose. Yeah, though I think you and I both agree that we don't blame Janikowski for, I mean, the guy's 40 years old. You want to. Oh, no, I, no, not the tackle, the kick. The kick, I agree. Mm-hmm. But I'm a lot of people are, are on him about the tackle. I don't personally yeah. have an issue with it. That People have a problem with the tackle because it looks bad. But I don't know. I have a problem with it. Like, would, yeah. do you expect anything more from Sebastian Janikowski? If you do, you're, you're a fool. Yeah, and I think people are, are, you know, I mean, if he gets injured, then what do you do? I know he hasn't been perfect this year, but he's been pretty good for him so far this season. And, um, yeah, I to me, the one thing that stuck out early in that game, you just mentioned it, was the the fourth and three on the 39-yard line of San Francisco. I don't know how you don't go there. Um, well, yeah, I would go there, too. I, I was, like, yelling at the TV, go for it, go for it, go for it. And I kept recalling back to that moment. The rest of the game, uh, that was that was pretty frustrating for me. Yeah. Um, but that once again goes into the mindset that Seattle Seattle has offensively. Which should be no surprise. It so wasn't who, shocking. Should, I knew they were going to punt right. because that's the that's their mindset, and but especially it, in the conditions facing Nick Mullins, you're like, oh, we could turn this guy over and, and make it happen. Yeah, Which Nick, to be fair, they did. <laughs> the the, 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 literally the next drive, <laughs> right? So, but Nick Mullins did throw all over them in Seattle. I mean, I guess I guess I was looking at it like. Okay, you have a franchise quarterback. See, Seattle plays offense like they don't have one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL, and that's been their mentality, and it's worked for them a lot of times this season, playing that conservative style of offense, but it's very frustrating when you see a team struggling. Now, early in the game, you didn't know that it was going to go the way that it did, so it's very easy in hindsight to say this, Mm -hmm. but even you know, in overtime, third and long, they basically just give up, right? They dump it down to to uh, yeah, but Davis. That that's not the wrong call. It's you're the, you're at your own ten yard line. 
it's not the wrong call, but they literally have no design for third and long. They have no offensive design. In overtime against a team that had moved the ball pretty easily against you for the no, majority see, of the game. That's 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 and false. all they need is a field goal. That's false, though, because they might have the design. They don't have any faith in the execution. Just because you have the design in your back pocket does not mean you have to play it because what happens? Like we saw him get pressured and fumble earlier in the game, you know, and now now you're literally giving to them in scoring position. So they might have the design or a a third and 14 play, but if they've got 20% confidence, no reason to dial it up there. Seattle does not design a lot of plays that rely on yards after catch, right? Like they do not have a lot of plays that that live in that in that area. Mm-hmm. Whereas you look at the 49ers, right? That's their entire offensive scheme mm-hmm. is yards after catch, and it almost has to be because of your quarterback situation, right? You can't really well, trust but the, but that's Shanahan's. But that's also Shanahan's. You offense. saw it in Atlanta, yeah, of course. You saw it. In, you even saw it in um, DC mm-hmm. as well, right? When he was when he had an impact over there, though a little bit different, mm-hmm. given the the head coaching situation there. Yeah. So. Look, you and I can disagree on this. I think that Seattle is too conservative offensively, by far. And it is, you know, Pete Carroll plays offense like he has an elite defense, and he doesn't have an elite defense. See, why weren't we making this argument then two weeks ago when they're playing well? That's that's my point. If if there's a flaw in the structure, why aren't we talking about the flaw in the structure when they're playing well? What's the difference between that and just playing poorly with the same structure? Well, I mean, this has been something that's been discussed. I've I've mentioned it a lot this season. Yeah, when they're been playing poorly. <laughs> well, yeah, because you know? eventually you're going to have to play against teams where you have to score the yeah. effing football. And uh, New England just put up ten points and went three and five oh on the road okay. this year. Okay, New England. Okay, okay, fine. New England. Every with their- team is going to like. You could point out no team is perfect. That's my point. No team is perfect. Even Kansas City is imperfect. So you like the way Seattle? You like? I like the, the way conservative that mindset of of Seattle. I wouldn't even. And call you think it that's a going to work mo- in the playoffs? It's not a conservative mindset as oh, much yes, as it is. is a run first mindset. No, and that's it, fine. It's conservative for sure. Now, it, now, it is extremely conservative. Their their mindset. Pete Carroll's one of the most conservative coaches in the NFL. Okay, so th- then you look at turnover margin and you'll say, "Wow, they should be more aggressive because the more aggressive teams turn the ball over more." So you can't have it both ways. You, do you want them to be more aggressive with the them, defense that's not elite? I want elite? them at fourth and three on the opposing team's 39-yard line to go for the f***ing first down. That's I w- what I want. I want to go for I, it, too. But in you overtime, can't, why, I, are you surpri- why would you be surprised when I'm they don't? I'm not surprised, but it doesn't mean that he's he's not allowed criticism because of that. No, I, don't, I agree. They need to be but, better but offensively. fourth and three at the plus 39 in the first quarter is a lot different from third and 14 at your minus 10 in terrible conditions in overtime. In overtime, and your it's defense been different. been pretty terrible in the secondary all game yeah and Kittle's been destroying you and that's exactly what happened again and they lost and they lost the game yeah but it wasn't I mean you could I would point at a bunch of other things before I point out the conservative nature of the offense that has when they've executed it well got them to this point is is my point like do you blame this loss on the conservatism of the offense or the 14 penalties for 148 yards? Well yeah, the penalties is ultimately what doomed them. Without a doubt. Yeah, we can agree on that. If we're talking about the priority list of why they lost this game, conservatism of the offense for me is is not even then the top 5. Yeah, but again, I'm going back to Seattle does not have a very good defense. Top to bottom Seattle does not have a very good defense. Given the pieces they have and the injuries, they've been playing better than their 
personnel would dictate. That's exactly what I was about to say, given yeah. the, the the players that they have. And McDougal leaves the game with the knee injury. God knows how much. Because if he's out, I mean, kiss everything goodbye, in my opinion. He's been their best defensive player all year, consistent mm-hmm. consistency-wise. Bobby Wagner's still their best defensive player. <laughs> but I, I just think, you know, from week one to now, has anyone been better than McDougal defensively? Yeah, not, and named, that, not named Wagner. Yeah. And, and if that knee doesn't get better, oh boy, it's going to be a tough uh, game against Kansas City on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, I, I don't mind the run-first mentality. It's worked well for them mm-hmm. a lot this season. What I do mind is not reading a game, being this is how we're going to do it. We are not going to make adjustments based on any sort of situation that is happening in real time within a football game. That is an issue that I have with this team. And offensively, I do think that that's a problem. And it's going to bite them in the ass when it matters most. And it's so funny because I'm more worked up now than I was after the loss because I didn't really give a crap that they lost. Because right. once again, well, I from said, a playoff standpoint, it doesn't matter. As well, much. and I said last week, oh. it's house money at this point. They're a flawed football team. They're, they benefited from the conference as a whole being down. No. They have a lot of holes. They're not good in a lot of places. And they're not going to the Super Bowl. So enjoy what you have from them. But... When your coaching staff doesn't give you a chance, when you have a franchise quarterback wow. to score, that frustrates me. <laughs> that's too far. I'm not willing to go there, man. It's the same mindset that's when they played well, it's it's gotten them to this point. I'm not about to criticize it and, and call it fatally flawed now. it's like It's gotten them to this point against mediocre and bad teams. They still so, have not so, beaten a good football team. Well, so my, from, from what I understand you telling me, the solution would be to fire Brian Schottenheimer. Uh, well, you know, I don't like Brian Schottenheimer, so if they got rid of him tomorrow, well, not tomorrow, but if they got rid of him as this season, I would not be mad about it. But it's no, not going to. But it would be the to replace him with a pass first, a, a, an aggressive mind. You, you want the McVay, you want the, you know, um, you want the Andy Reid, you want the Matt Nagy. There's those guys. There's like a handful of them. In oh the yeah, I know. like you. You have to find the way, the recipe that works for you. Not every single team is going to be able to have and that Pete guy. Carroll, the Shanahan's. Pete Carroll doesn't want that guy. No, Pete Carroll does. That's not so the you style have a problem with Pete Carroll. I have a problem with because Pete Carroll's with, not going to change. He's not, and when he gets more talent defensively, I'll feel better about the way they play offensively. But as it stands right now, your defense ain't stopping crap. Against good football teams. So they should have had a pass-first offense this year. That puts the defense on the field more often. Maybe. That's not complimentary football. I don't know. They're not stopping anybody. We'll see what I happens. I think they've been stopping people pretty good up until Bad this point. Bad football teams. Bad football teams. Green Bay. But we'll see what happens. They stopped Green Bay. Green Bay's terrible. Well, Jesus Christ, their head coach just got fired. Aaron They're a Rod- terrible football okay, team. Okay, fine. They stopped Aaron Rodgers. I don't care what team Aaron Rodgers is playing on. You beat him. Are, are the Packers going to the playoffs? No. Are they fighting for a playoff spot? No. Then I don't care. On Thursday night football, it doesn't mean anything to me. Like, Carolina was playing as one of the best offenses in football. Well, I guess they didn't really stop them either. They got drilled by them. <laughs> that so was that back really and forth. I mean, I, my, my point is we've talked about this defense in the top five of DVOA, in the top ten of DVOA, and all of a sudden now we're coming in on them today. To me, that is so knee-jerk Perkins like that well I mean I I said it last week too though this defense is not very good they haven't played when they play quality offenses quality opponents they do not play well they're a sieve and they have been all season this is nothing new yeah I mean that's coming in with some pretty harsh criticism like all all of a sudden when they've you know played pretty well pretty good football up to this this offense the defense relies on turnovers which are arbitrary and random 
They rely. But you can you can force them better than other people. You can, you can, but they are still arbitrary. Like the fumble, the fumbles. That's luck and random. I mean, McDougal made a great play on that one. Yeah, he did. Put he, a helmet he, on he the football. It, put the helmet on the football. Young player, first down, loses track. In college, Boom. did you see in college that North Texas? Yeah, he's he averaged a fumble every thirty-three carries, and yeah, he's touching the football and in wet conditions. Yeah. So Shanahan, <laughs> what are you doing? Well, know your team. They want they want Bosa. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> well, that's why they won. No, I know. That's that's always a funny thing, right? They're like, how do you lose to a team that's tanking? Well, the players aren't tanking. Like they have yeah. a, they don't want to have a guy come in and take their job. Yeah. Shanahan's not tanking. He wants a contract extension. Okay. I don't know. I just look, the the team is what it is, but I do there are certain scenarios. Last week we were literally saying, Hey, let's just enjoy it for what it is. And I I know. And it's, it's funny. You're, because you're saying they're making the same argument except with a completely different tone. I'm enjoying I mean, I don't really care. Like after that game, usually I'm pissed when the Seahawks lose. Yeah. Like that game, I literally I went I went out to dinner with my wife and had a great evening and it was fun. I didn't even really think about it because again, house <laughs> money gross. with this team. Yeah. But that being said, it does not mean that they are free from criticism and there aren't things they can improve on. And while the game is all. largely on penalties, I do not like in certain situations them basically just giving up. And that is what they did multiple times in this game. Mm. And it's it's frustrating. I mean, it's mm. frustrating to watch. Now, the secondary was, my God, they were terrible. I mean, the, the defensive front was great. Yeah, I would say penalties, secondary, Seabass. Did Jaron Reed have, like— That's tough. Yeah, and then everything else is— And, 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 and that's my point. And, is like, like that's, and that's, yeah, that's my it point, goes too. here, and then, like, everything else is down here. Conservatism of the offense is down here. But that, and when they're winning, it's not even a problem. But that, in the playoffs, will matter. And I guarantee you that this conversation can, will come up in the playoffs when you, they lose. Any team that loses in the playoffs is going to have something that matters. If, would this be Seattle's? Maybe. Maybe. We're, we'll have it market. We'll have this but conversation. But there will also be other factors if they do lose, if and when they do lose in the playoffs, I'll do other it. than conservatism of the offense. And it might be penalties. I mean, we can always change the conversation to anything we want, for sure. But, but in terms of prioritizing what's most you know, fatal... I wouldn't put it on structure of the offense. I mean, Russell is performing very well in the offense. It's not like he's struggling within it. I mean, they're producing 100-yard rushers again. Like, yeah. that, you can't just say that'd be a given if they, you know... They go for it on fourth and three? The fourth and three, If they don't give up on third and 14 singular... with the franchise quarterback? Like, you can still run your offense Seriously. and still be more aggressive. Like, you can still do what you want to do and still not They just, just had, like, up. six holding penalties... They did all. They're deep in their own territory. I'm not about to necessarily dial up a deep step drop to try to get Russell a third and fourteen conversion. Like you've you you already had a penalty to to get into that. You can throw a play behind the sticks, but literally that play call was dump it off to to running back, tackle, punt. That was the the entire play was not even to attempt to to get a first down. It was to survive in advance, is what it was. There was no play to to lock it. It was to get. There was no. You know. So we're we're really we're, we're disagreeing on one play. Is what we're doing, and then we're the play, extrapolating yes, it to on the whole drive that lost philo- the game. A philosophical that drive they got to third and fourteen because of a damn penalty in the first <laughs> place. That's my point. If they convert to McKissick with that God. penalty, that fucking doesn't matter. None of it matters, Perkins. It's penalties. <laughs> All right, we got. By the way, get out of here. Question man. for you though: Was was the throw to McKissick Russell Wilson's best throw of the game? That thing was a yeah, damn dime. That wasn't was it? the best throw of the game, no question. And I was so happy to see McKissick back. Like he was so fired up too after that play. I think that's real quick. My least favorite thing in football 
is seeing a running back. Because, dude, they have to earn so much, right? They get hit every play. They finally break. They break, like, four tackles. They're feeling awesome. And then they look behind them. They see the yellow. And, like, that look on their face. Yeah. Like Simon Cowell telling you, you are not going to California. (laughs) You are not going to L.A. for the auditions. Is always really hard to see. All right, we'll be back again on Friday because we got a massive game to break down. This is going to be a lot of fun. Now we actually got a huge game that matters for both teams in primetime on Christmas week Man. under the lights in Seattle. Should be a lot of fun. So, uh, you know. Oh, wait, w- one more thing. We have to do a diss track. Oh, my gosh. Tony, <laughs> we'll do a diss track for you. We'll, we'll roll that out on Friday, too, because we got to take some time. We'll probably take some drops from within this podcast that we just did. <laughs> I love it. We don't usually get this fired throw up. Throw that in on there. All we right. I guess when you lose to the 49ers, you just naturally get pissed off as a Seahawks fan. And Richard Sherman wins. I'll just throw that in there. Yeah, how bitter are you about that? So bitter. More bitter about that than anything. All right, this is the Gameplay Podcast, 1029thegame.com.